Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. I'm taking a stroll through Gorky Park in Moscow. Now, this city has a reputation for being overcrowded. The traffic is terrible, but Gorky Park is an escape. This green, leafy oasis in the heart of the city. There's 300 acres of parkland here with tree-lined bike paths. There are ducks swimming in these little ponds while someone tosses in tiny pieces of bread. It feels a lot like Central Park in New York or Hyde Park in London. And it's a perfect day. The sun is shining, people are sunbathing, eating ice cream. And you can probably hear the park's speaker system playing Russian classical music. But as you walk further into the park to where clusters of people are sitting around a fountain, that classical composition is drowned out by pop music. A group of Russian teenagers have brought their own soundtrack, blasting selected playlists through their own speakers. Now, Gorky Park is almost a century old, but it recently underwent this massive $40 million renovation that transformed it into this popular hangout for Russian youth. You really can feel the energy in this park. There are rows of ping pong tables, beanbag chairs nestled under trees, there's even a skate park here with a half pipe where teenagers are pulling tricks on their skateboards and bikes. And seeing all of these Russian young adults, a couple hundred of them in their teens and early 20s, it's incredible to consider that almost everyone here has at least one thing in common. They have no memory of any political leader other than Vladimir Putin. And many of them seem to like it that way. He's done a lot for the country. There's no one like him. He's the coolest. I'm Jeff Semple, the Europe Bureau Chief for Global News, and this is Russia Rising. On this episode, we'll meet the so-called Putin Generation, an estimated 28 million Russian children who've been born since Putin first rose to power two decades ago. They've grown up under his rule and are unlike any generation that's come before. Born in the wake of the Soviet communist collapse, they've experienced extraordinary change in a short time. And their feelings on politics, on relations with Canada and the West, how they see the world, well, it's complicated. It's a pretty hard question, but I will try to answer for you. We'll hear directly from them the Putin generation, a.k.a. the Putins, hoping their answers can shed some light on where this country is headed and perhaps even what life in Russia might be like after Putin. The 66-year-old strongman has remained entrenched in the Kremlin's seat of power, either as president or prime minister, for 19 years, since he was first sworn in back on May 7th, 2000. Клянусь, при осуществлении полномочий президента Российской Федерации, 
уважать и охранять права и свободы человека и гражданина. Alex and Olga say they have no memory of that day, mostly because they'd just been born. <laughs> I met the young Russian couple holding hands, strolling through Gorky Park, and they kindly agreed to stop and chat for a minute. Is English okay? We can try. We can try. We can try. Thank you. <laughs> They're a good-looking couple with a bit of an artistic vibe. Alex is wearing these large, round, retro sunglasses, while his girlfriend, Olga, has her light brown hair tied up in a bun and is wearing a red plaid shirt that's buttoned up to her neck. They live in Moscow, they tell me, though Alex grew up in Siberia. And eventually, I ask them. What do you think about uh, the president here, Mr. Putin? Now I know this can be a loaded question in Russia. Ordinary Russians are sometimes reluctant to publicly criticize their president. Olga looks over at her boyfriend, Alex, with a knowing grin. He pauses for several seconds while he decides how to answer. Then he shrugs, as if to say, ah, what the hell? I don't like him. <laughs> And why not? Mm, it's, uh, it's not about himself. It's more about, uh, maybe it's my idealistic uh, opinion about situation, democracy. I think that uh, people who guide a country somewhere, they must change some time and uh, bring something new. In other words, he thinks two decades is too long for anyone to cling to power. And he's not alone. The summer of 2017 saw widespread protests in Russia across more than a hundred cities. The protesters were mostly young and angry about government corruption. The protests were organized online and led by Alexei Navalny. Navalny is a longtime outspoken Putin critic, and he'd announced his intention to run against Putin for the presidency in Russia's last election. Now, no surprise, Russia's security forces cracked down on the protests. Hundreds of arrests. And the protests were largely ignored by Russia's TV news channels, which are controlled by the Kremlin. But here's the thing about young people in Russia. They're like young people in Canada. Most of them don't get their news by watching TV. Olga and Alex heard and read all about the protests online. They get their news and information from the internet and social media. And the internet in Russia remains mostly open and unrestricted. She's just a lot of friends in uh, uh, foreign countries on Facebook. We can see a lot of information from them. We didn't watch TV. Uh, we don't watch TV. But uh, my mom watches a lot and uh, she, she tells me a lot of information uh, from TV, but I understand that it's propaganda most of the time. So unlike their parents, who are watching Russian TV pumped full of propaganda, Alex, Olga, and their peers are reading articles and watching videos online from news sources both inside Russia and around the world. 
The BBC, for example, has a Russian language service, as do other news outlets in Western Europe or North America. I've even received messages from Russians who are listening to this podcast. Nice to meet you. Nice to My meet name you. is Paul. I met Paul, another young Russian in Gorky Park, who told me that he also gets most of his news from online sources based outside of Russia. And he's concerned that President Putin has soured Russia's relations with many Western countries. His uh, um, work outside the country, I don't think it's really good. I don't think. Why is that? We lose uh, a lot of uh, friendship countries around Russia. The more time passed, uh, the more problems we have. You know, young people don't like what's happening, really. That's my opinion. That's uh, my people that around me talking to me, they're saying to me. Old people, yes. Even mid-age, a lot of people support Putin. But young men and those who making, uh, like, you know, cultural things, uh, working in creative industry, uh, who's uh, looking to the Europe and uh, America and different countries, like outside the Russia, uh, they understand what's happening and they don't like it. Because they travel in a lot, they work a lot in different countries, and it's making more harder every year to do that. That's why they don't like. So, in a sense, this Russian generation is more outward-looking, more connected to the outside Western world than any before it. Which is why the world was watching with great interest last year as Russians went to the polls. The country's first presidential elections in six years... And for some members of the Putin generation, who are now 18 or older, their first opportunity to choose a president. It's a beautiful election day here in Moscow. The voting's already begun across this vast country's 11 time zones. Now, Russia's elections aren't exactly known for being fair and free. A major presidential election overseas today in Russia, and the results, pretty much a foregone conclusion. Though it's worth noting that Russia's presidential vote in March 2018 was actually pretty clean, according to independent election monitors. That is, there weren't widespread allegations of ballot stuffing or cheating. But, and this is a big but, those election observers also noted that even though the voting process itself was clean, the presidential contest was essentially rigged from the start in part because any serious liberal opposition candidate was sidelined, prevented from running. Namely, Alexei Navalny. He's the one I mentioned earlier, the guy who'd organized those mass protests. Navalny was disqualified due to what he claims were trumped-up fraud charges. And the European Court of Human Rights agreed those charges against Navalny were baseless and politically motivated, meant to ensure that Putin would win which, of course, he did. Russia! 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 Elected to his fourth term, winning a record-breaking 76% of the vote and providing plenty of fodder for American late-night TV. Congratulations. No, no, ladies and gentlemen, you got to give it up. Congratulations to President Putin for making up a realistic-sounding number. <laughs> 77, that's too much. 75, that's two three-quarters-y. You know, just 76, that's about right. This is Putin's highest margin of victory yet. It's really impressive. Though, I'm starting to think he might have had help from the Russians. <laughs>
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. And here's the kicker. This election was billed as the Putin generation's first chance to cast a ballot, an opportunity to send a message, to change the course of their country. Instead... They chose to go with the devil they knew. More than 70% of voters under the age of 24 voted for Putin. Can you introduce yourself, uh, please, for us? That's Maria Voropayeva. She's one of Putin's young supporters and the head of Russia's youth parliament. The question of replacing the president among youth is absent. I understand that some people compare Putin's long rule with a dictatorship. If you wear a t-shirt for a year and you still like it, it's not like you must replace it and buy a new t-shirt. It's not like today in Russia there's no choice or political discourse. If you ask people do they want a different president, they would say no. This is a choice, not a forced position. Do you wish that President Putin and the Kremlin had better relations with, with the West? I mean, isn't that a failure on their part? I think that the West is way more complicit in worsening relations with Russia. We were in Europe not long ago and spoke to young people and people on the streets. And you know, they thought that we had basically escaped from prison and fled to Europe. That's how bad they think it is here. But I want to say that we don't have any problems. We can travel, and for many young people, traveling to Europe, Asia, U.S. is an easy, basic thing for us to do. When I ask Maria why she thinks Putin is so popular among young Russians, she grins and starts listing off Putin's famously bizarre photo ops. Vladimir Putin is vacationing again, and yes, he is shirtless. The Russian president has been kicking back in the mountains of Siberia. You've probably seen at least some of these, and there are a lot of them. Staged photos of the Russian president enjoying the great outdoors. He's riding horseback while topless, fishing while topless. There are YouTube videos of Putin tranquilizing tigers, swimming with dolphins, or my personal favorite, Putin hang gliding through the skies with endangered cranes. Vladimir Putin, relic hunter, wilderness survival expert, and now not just the head of the Kremlin, but head of the cranes. Yes, Russia's alpha male has taken to the skies to help orphaned young birds migrate for the winter. These photo ops are often widely mocked outside of Russia. What a hero. But Maria says that the videos are a big hit with the country's YouTube generation. His Canadian counterpart, Justin Trudeau, might be younger. Putin is way older. He's not inferior. He's very athletic. We often see him picking quite tough challenges. This earns him respect, not only from older people, but from young ones. He's not just a bureaucrat. He's a person who gives young Russians something to aspire to. 
Now, you might be tempted to roll your eyes, to assume that Maria has been drinking too much Kremlin Kool-Aid, or wouldn't dare speak out and share her true feelings about the president with a Canadian journalist. And you might be right, but consider this. About a year ago, Russia's only major independent polling firm, the Levada Center, conducted a national survey. It found that 86% of Russian young adults, those between the ages of 18 and 24, approve of Putin as president. 86%. That was Putin's highest approval rating among any age group. In other words, young Russians said they liked Putin even more than their parents did. And independent North American polling firms have asked similar questions of Russian youth with similar results. Now, sure, it's possible that some of the respondents might have lied, were afraid to answer truthfully. And we all know that polls can be fickle. In fact, Putin's popularity among all age groups has been dropping lately, particularly among older voters who are angry about him raising their retirement age. But the more you comb through the independent polling data, the stronger the case becomes that a majority of the Russian youth support Putin as their president. When I asked Maria, the head of Russia's youth parliament, about these opinion polls, she responded with a word that I've heard from a lot of Russian young people. The most important thing is stability. Stabilnist in Russian means stability. Young Russians, including some who don't particularly like Putin or think that he's overstayed his welcome, agree that he represents Stabilnist, that he's a strong and stable leader. What's most important are the real results for our country. The youth today have the opportunity to succeed in life, despite their social standing or how rich their parents are. Young people are making plans, looking forward to their futures, and they're no longer afraid to start families today. Part of Putin's uh, appeal to the young generation is that he's presided over an unprecedented economic boom in Russian history. That's Anton Fedyashin, a Russian history expert at American University in Washington, D.C. He points out that this Putin generation was born after the communist collapse and grew up during Russia's grueling economic transition in the 1990s. So they were kids in the midst of a recession that was comparable to the Great Depression in the United States. Families couldn't afford food. As students, they had to wear winter jackets shivering inside their classrooms because the school couldn't afford proper heating during the winter. But since Putin rose to power in 2000, they've watched their standard of living soar. Over the last two decades, Russia's GDP per person has grown by 70%, thanks in large part to rising oil prices and to the painful economic reforms of the 90s. Today, Russia's youth unemployment rate is around 16%, which is pretty much the average for the European Union. 
for all the problems that the country's going through and has been going through, a lot of young Russians feel like they are living in a nation that is uh, influential in global politics, which is more than you can say about what their parents remember from the 1990s and the era of Boris Yeltsin when Russia was falling to pieces economically, geographically, um, in terms of its health uh, crisis, demographic crisis, all of the above. So Russians today feel like they are part of the world on their own terms. They're more than willing to travel. They're very interested in the West and the East and the South, uh, but they are also very proud of their nation and pride in uh, the country. And being Russian is something that Putin has remarkably restored. The result, he says, is a new generation of Russians who see themselves as both proud of their country and pragmatic about their politics. Many of them would like to see political change, but more importantly, they want to feel financially secure, able to get a job and start a family. In short, they're willing to accept Putin's iron fist in return for what they see as economic stability. I don't think the argument that the Russian population supports Putin because it's zombified is uh, really terribly relevant. Uh, as a matter of fact, I would suggest that it's uh, actually a dangerous illusion to believe that Vladimir Putin's uh, general worldview, you know, is somehow at odds and doesn't reflect that of the of the Russians. And for those kids who are living in large Russian uh, cities where life has progressively become more comfortable, more stable, and safer on the whole in the past 18 years throughout their lifetime, it's really no surprise that these kids are supportive of uh, the president that they see as having brought in this period and this experience of uh, really unprecedented wealth and relative stability, which is so precarious in Russian history. Back in Gorky Park, that young Russian couple we met earlier, Olga and Alex, point out one more important element of Putin's support. They say they don't like Putin, but they would also never attend one of those anti-Putin protests. They've seen the videos online of protesters being beaten and arrested. Putin is the only leader they've ever known, and they believe the fight to dethrone the Russian president is ultimately a losing battle. I don't believe that uh, maybe I can change something uh, in my country. Putin's election victory last year cemented his grip on power until at least the year 2024. And his support among Russian youth provides a window into the future. It suggests the very strong possibility that even after he's gone, the Putin regime will endure. So, after seven episodes in this series, where does that leave us? What does all of that ultimately mean for Canada and the West? Well, to quote Vitaly Besbalov, that former Russian internet troll who we met in the first episode of this podcast, it means Canadians need to be vigilant. 
It means that Russia, and the Kremlin more specifically, is likely to continue operating in the same way, looking for opportunities to use internet trolls, hackers, undercover agents, and Maskarovka to undermine Western democracies, to weaken alliances such as NATO and the European Union, and to interfere in elections like the one coming up in Canada later this year. The weaker these Western countries and alliances become, the easier it is for Putin to appear strong and stable, and to expand Russia's power, its sphere of influence, without facing a unified Western resistance. Former British Prime Minister Winston Churchill famously once called Russia a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. Our stated goal when we began this podcast was to unravel the mystery that is Russia by hearing directly from those at the heart of the biggest stories facing the country today. Former internet trolls, hackers, secret agents, journalists working both for and against the government. We looked to the stars with Russian astronauts and peered into the country's future with the young Russians who are building it. As a Canadian correspondent based in Europe, I do a lot of reporting on Russia, but I also learned a lot through bringing you this podcast. I believe ordinary Russians are rightfully sensitive when they hear their country or their government accused of behaving badly, of doping, hacking, meddling, even attempting to assassinate former spies. But as we examined the evidence, that mystery began to unravel. And all too often, the trail of evidence leads us to the man at the very top. Russian President Vladimir Putin has held the keys to the Kremlin for two decades. And when his fourth, and theoretically his final term as president ends in 2024, Russia will face a crossroads. The so-called Putin generation will be older then. They won't be kids anymore and it will be up to them to decide Russia's future. Do they want to continue on the same course or carve a different path to see Russia rising? Russia! 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 So what's next for this podcast series? Well, we're drawing to a close for now, but this story is far from over. If you're just discovering this podcast now, I encourage you to go back to the beginning and find out how we got here. This journey was just the first, and we hope to bring you many more stories from this space very soon. For Curious Cast and Global News, this is Russia Rising, an investigative series from me, Jeff Semple, to unravel the mystery of today's Russia. If you liked what you heard, you can help spread the word by rating, reviewing, and subscribing for free now at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and every other app where you get your streaming audio. We can also be found at CuriousCast.ca. If you have a question or would like to know more, follow me on Twitter at JeffSempleGN or email me at RussiaRising at CuriousCast.ca. And be sure to check out the show notes for more information about what you heard today. Russia Rising is written and hosted by me, Jeff Semple. Dila Velezquez is our story producer, with sound design by Rob Johnston. 
Chris Duncombe is our executive producer, and Ron Waxman is the vice president and head of national and network news. Until next time, I'm Jeff Semple. Thanks for listening to Russia Rising.